at this time, uh, we're going to have a video uh, from the Adams family, um, and they are missionaries to the uh, country of Wales. Uh, they couldn't be with us this week. They're in another missions conference. Uh, they're going to show the video, and then I'm going to come back up, and I'll present uh, kind of what they're doing there and the need for missions in the country of Wales. As you can see, there's a great need in the country of Wales. And, and you think back to 1904, 1905, the great Welsh revivals. And uh, it is a very dark uh, country, uh, post-Christian country of Wales. There's over 3.2 million people in the country of Wales. Uh, churches are closing at an alarming rate. And then those of you that were with us when uh, Richie and Missy Ork were here, you remember he was trying to get to the field uh, to help that, that Ebenezer church there. And the Muslims were coming to the local pastor at that time and telling him, oh man, why don't you just quit? Why don't you just give in so we could get this building and start a mosque here? Um, and so you can see that Missy and Richie Ork are the missionaries that uh, the Adams family is going to go help uh, on the field there. And uh, there's 77% of the population claim no religion at all currently. Um, Islam is the fastest growing religion in the nation of Wales. Um, and so what is their vision? It's obviously to win uh, the Welsh to Christ. It's to see them baptized and discipled. Uh, they want to train nationals to start self-governing, self-supporting, and self-propagating uh, churches. 
that are independent local Baptist churches. And so what is their plan? Their plan is to engage uh, national pastors and, and uh, Welsh churches, um, assess the areas in urgent need, and uh, prayerfully consider uh, a location to start a new church, uh, revive closing churches, and plant new churches. Also, where will they start? Obviously, it's their Ebenezer Baptist Church with Missy and uh, um, Richie Ork, and uh, they're looking forward to uh, getting to the field, and their future plans are to actively share the gospel uh, and disciple new believers, helping them to grow in their knowledge of Christ, uh, and they will continue to teach and lead wherever that is needed once they get to the field there in uh, Wales. Um, at this time, we also have um, a ministry presentation of the Ragsdale family, and they couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, they are in the country of West, uh, they're in West Africa, the country of Togo, and uh, you may have seen their board out in the hallway there, and they may show some pictures behind me as I, I go through this, but uh, Adam and uh, Angel Ragsdale, uh, they just got to the field February 1st, so they were fresh on the field. I was talking to them this week, and they were trying to get us a video. Uh, they were able to get us the photos, but once they got on the field, they have just been tossed into ministries. They're trying to get settled in a home and unpacking, and I believe in one of the photos there, you'll see all the storage totes that they're just trying to unpack to get the house um, ready to go. Uh, but there's a, a great need there in, in Togo. They're going to come alongside a, a local um, veteran missionary. Uh, their goal is to train leaders, to plant churches, uh, to make disciples, obviously to see souls saved and baptized is, is what they're wanting to do. And uh, they'll be working alongside the veteran missionaries there in Togo. And uh, there are many ministries uh, the Napiers operate uh, that all lead to church planning. Uh, they will be helping in the Bible Institute that they have there, uh, soul winning and church planning um, as the, the language ability grows. So they're currently in language school right now as well. So you think of all that and that they're taking on currently. Uh, so they need our prayers. Uh, they fervently need our prayers for uh, the language school uh, to, to learn the language so they can effectively minister in the community that they are in and also the ministries that they're helping oversee they go on to say, we are especially excited about the opportunity to serve in the Bible Institute training men uh, to go plant churches. It is through this ministry that we will be able to send young men out of, um, all out of uh, Togo and into other Western African nations, uh, all across Africa and eventually all over the world is their goal. Uh, we believe soul winning and making disciples are the fundamental steps to planting uh, lasting indigenous churches. Um, and so... Uh, that is the um, Adams or the uh, Ragsdales to Togo as well in the ministry presentation. And they hope to have us a video by the end of the week, and maybe we can show that in uh, some future um, weeks to come. Before we have Brother Lewis come uh, to preach the word tonight to us, uh, if you remember what he spoke on last night, it was on prayer. And as he's been uh, so effective at preaching through this conference about an effective ministry for missionaries, and so a missions program. He talked about prayer last night and making sure that we're specifically praying for our missionaries. And I got a newsletter in today, and Pastor Josh had told me about it, and I just wanted to share it with you. When Pastor Lewis says our missionaries need our prayers, just listen to this, this prayer letter that this missions family went through within a week's time frame. This is the Stewart's family to Ireland, and... Um, so it, it reads this, have you ever felt like you've been in a boxing ring? Maybe not physically, but mentally or emotionally, even spiritually. Well, that's what happened this past, past month. 
It has been like that for the Stewart family. Uh, in one week's time, we got a phone call on Monday from the U.S. saying that Denise's brother, Doug, was in the hospital with COVID-related issues. Right hook. Tuesday, another phone call that said her dad had broken his neck again. Left hook. Wednesday, yet another call saying Denise's oldest brother and his partner were sick and not doing good. Punch to the nose. Thursday, no phone call, but a letter from the property owner of the building that we are renting the church from, or that the church is in that they're renting, stating he is selling the building and we must vacate by September. Punch to the gut. So as, he's, as Pastor Lewis is reading this last night, as he's preaching last night, and he's talking about Nehemiah and, and the enemies that are trying to thwart God's plan, you can kind of see sometimes Satan is against what God's for. And so you can see throughout this letter, there's just one attack after another. And then on Friday, we received the uppercut that Denise's mom had a severe stroke. Uh, we put Denise on a plane ASAP, and actually she flew back with Brother Lewis McClendon uh, back to the States, and uh, she returned to Ohio to be with her mom in her last moments. Her mom passed away. So you can see that our missionaries need our prayer. They need our specific prayers. And this is the encouraging part. After we hear this, this uh, devastating news, he said, myself, Clark, and Kate followed in a few days later for the funeral. As hard as this week sounds, God never left our corner. He encouraged us with Denise's mom's life as she was a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. He uplifted our hearts after the funeral with Chloe getting engaged to a fine young man named Noah. The Lord propped us up by finding us a home to move into uh, a week after we returned to Ireland. So they had lost the, the lease on their home as well in that process. And he has allowed our hearts to rejoice with Denise's disciple following Christ in baptism and Sunday with a high of 59 in attendance. If that's not good enough, we had a young man accept Christ as his Savior and his father became the first deacon of our church. Thank you, Lord, for being in our corner. And I just thought that was a real tangible way to tie in Pastor Lewis's message last night to the need of our prayers and to tie in the missions care team and what the missions conference is about. Pray, give, go. And uh, it's because of our faithful giving that many of you are a part of that we're able to bless missionaries beyond um, just the, the monthly giving. You know, like she said, we, we blessed uh, a church in uh, Central America with a roof and um, Dr. Edwin Chelly over in India, we were able to give 5,000 additional dollars to a Bible institute uh, that they needed government regulations uh, to meet that fund of $50,000. And so I just want to say thank you, church. If you're contributing to faith promise giving, if you're part of giving, if you're part of praying, uh, thank you for your faithfulness. And, and just to challenge us, if we're not a part of that, let's get on board with it and, and continue to see that uh, grow and increase. And, and um, Thank you for my time, for the time, and I'll ask uh, Pastor Lewis if he can come and bring the word tonight. Make him feel welcome as he comes. Well, we've talked about give, <clears throat> and we've talked about pray, and tonight we're going to deal with the subject of going, of scattering around the world. And I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter number 1, and we're going to start tonight by reading Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. So as you find Acts chapter number 1, if you'll stand as we get ready to read God's word tonight. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, 
through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father put into his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Father in heaven, thank you for letting us be part of what you're doing around the world. You allow us to give, you allow us to pray, and you allow us to go and to take the gospel to the world. And we pray that we'll all take that command seriously in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I've said before, the book of Acts just gives us so much about God's plan to reach the world. And we see here in verse 8 that God wants us to reach the entire world. The disciples had a question, Lord, tell us about the end times. And I love talking about the end times, and I don't know about you, but I pray that Jesus comes back today. But as our world has gotten worse and worse, sometimes we've been distracted by how bad our world is getting, so we don't stay on focus on what we're supposed to be doing. No matter who, what president gets elected, no matter what Congress passes, no matter the dumb things this world does, we still have one thing we're supposed to focus on, and that's reaching the world with the gospel. Nothing should take us off track of reaching the world with the gospel. To the Tesper, to go to the uttermost part of the earth, that's the farthest extremes of the earth. We're going to take it to the very farthest extremes. God's goal for the time of, from the time of creation has been for his people to fill and be an influence in the world. Genesis 1.28 says, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish or fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. He wanted his people to spread around the world. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6 says, I will also give thee a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be the salvation unto the end of the earth. So we see that phrase again, to the end of the earth. God wants his people going to the farthest corners of the world to tell people about him. At the Tower of Babel, we can see that even back then, people were not obeying God like he wanted them to, and they resisted filling the earth. After the flood, God specifically commanded people to fill the earth, Genesis 9-1. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. So his people, again, were to spread around the earth. But just two chapters later, in Genesis chapter 11, we find the people making a specific decision not to go around the world like he wants them to. Look at Genesis 11:4, And they said, Go, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach into the heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They said, we're not going to scatter. We're going to stay right here. And what did God do with the people at this time? Well, look at verse 7 of Genesis 11. Go to, let us go down, and therefore confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. 
So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. God scattered them. They weren't going to scatter. They refused to scatter, and so God confused their languages. Have you ever been in school trying to study a different language? The people you can blame for that is the people of the Tower of Babel. So now at least you know who to blame. When I was in school, I wanted to be a doctor, so I took Latin so I could learn the Latin language. And what we learned in that was Latin is a dead, dead language, dead as it can be. First it killed the Romans, and now it's killing me. You know, I took Latin in high school, then I took Greek in college, so I've never taken a spoken language. So I don't know what it's like to learn a language, to speak a language, but it all started here with some people that refused to scatter. In the New Testament, we see God giving the same kind of command to his people to scatter and take the gospels to the end of the earth. In Acts 1 contains God's logistical plan to use his people to reach the world. He said, reach Jerusalem. The disciples were to stay there initially until the Holy Spirit came, but they were to stay in Jerusalem and reach Jerusalem. And once they had the Holy Spirit had come, their job was to reach that town. And they did a great job in reaching Jerusalem. When you go through Acts, Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, 3,000 people were added to the church. I mean, they were going. Acts 4, 4, 5,000 men believed. Acts 6, 1s, the disciples multiplied. Acts 6, 7s, they greatly multiplied. And so we're seeing a lot of good things happening, but the command was Jerusalem and then Judea and then in Samaria and then to reach the world. And you will go through Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And it's all about Jerusalem. But then a dramatic thing happened in Acts chapter number 8. God forcefully made them scatter to take the gospel to the world. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad. Isn't it interesting the word scatter? Old New Testament, you see that word. God wants his people to scatter. And it took persecution to get them to scatter abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Persecution caused the Christians to scatter. Acts 8, 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now see, God had to make them scatter, but they scattered the right way. Because as they went, they told people about the good news of the gospel. They faithfully preached the gospel everywhere they went. The good news is they took the gospel where they went. The bad news was it took persecution for them to scatter. But once the scattering started, the gospel was preached everywhere. It went everywhere. From Jerusalem, we know that the Bible says it went to Samaria. I'm going to get that from Acts 8.5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and they were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So from the town of Jerusalem... They went to Samaria. Philip went and preached the gospel, and people in Samaria trusted God. So many people got saved in Jerusalem. I find this a very interesting thing about the church in Samaria. 
So many people were getting saved that they actually asked Jerusalem to send people down to help them with all the people getting saved. Acts 8, 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word, they sent unto them Peter and John. They said, we've got to send more people to help them out. Isn't that a great thing? That it was going so great that they couldn't handle it themselves. Give us more people. Give us help. But it not only spread from Jerusalem to Samaria, it went other places as well. Acts 11, verses 19 through 21. Now, they which were scattered, there's that word again, abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto, unto the Jews only. And some of them that were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they came to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So we see many towns that are being reached as the church in Jerusalem was scattered, they went out and more people were getting saved and churches were being started. But then we see something else. From Samaria, the gospel spread from Samaria. Look at Acts 8, 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, which had charge of her, of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit saith unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man shall guide me? And he desired Philip that he should come up and sit with him. So we have Jerusalem and the gospel is spreading, and now we have from Samaria the gospel is spreading. Philip leaves Samaria, comes down, and reaches the Ethiopian eunuch, and then from there we're told in Acts 840 that Philip was found at Azotus, passing through preaching to all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So we see that from Samaria the gospel began to be spread. And then from Antioch, we see from that place the gospel was spread around the world. Acts 13, verses 1 through 4. Now they were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manane, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Paul's ministries took him around that known world. Now, what I just did was something extremely boring. You know what I just did? We just had a history class. Didn't you love history when you were in school? And all your, oh, we have people that loved history. That's good. I can remember it's, it was just dates. I'm from this date, this happened on this date, this happened on this date. And you remembered it long enough to take the test. And that was mainly history for a lot of us, okay? What I just gave you was a history lesson, but I gave you a history lesson for a very important reason. I talked about all those towns, and I read all those verses to say this. When we first started reading it, the gospel hub was in Jerusalem to begin with. Jerusalem was the hub. The people left out of Jerusalem to go places to proclaim the gospel. Then Samaria became a hub. What happened? Jerusalem sends somebody to Samaria. Samaria has such a big church, they ask for help. But from Samaria, it becomes a hub now. 
And from that hub, you have Philip who goes, reaches the Ethiopian eunuch who takes it to that country. And then he went up to the coast of Israel and went up the coast preaching in all those cities. And then we saw not only was that a hub, but Antioch became a hub. Because out of Antioch is where God called Paul and Barnabas to take the gospel to the world. And the point I want to make is this. God's plan to reach the world is for every church to see themselves as a hub for the gospel. Every church needs to be a hub for the gospel. From this church, the world needs to be reached. That's what a hub is. From this church, this church is a hub to take the gospel to the whole world. When God called Paul and Barnabas to go, he left three good men in Antioch. Let's look back at Acts 13, verses 1 through 2. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menain, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, so get that part. Who's speaking here? The Holy Ghost says, he said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. Now, there is no higher calling for the ministry. There's just places that God wants people to go. That's all there is. These other guys, Simeon and Lucius and Menain, were not inferior men. It wasn't like the missionaries were the best people there are as missionaries. That's not true. Everybody is to be wherever God puts you. And God is going to put some in Antioch and say, you stay here in Antioch, but these two guys, I'm going to take and go over here. And if you're obedient, you just say, God, where do you want me to be? And that's where you go. If God says be a missionary, you be a missionary. If God says stay right where you are, and reach the people where you are, you do that. The highest calling for you is to be where God tells you to be. It's as simple as that. So there's no hierarchy here. But what I want you to see is that God said, Antioch, you're going to be a hub to spread the gospel around the world. And it's going to start with these two guys, and I'm going to take them and take the gospel around the world. But even as a missionary, they can only go where God tells them to go. I've always found Acts 16 to be interesting. Acts 16, verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. I mean, that just astounds me that that verse is in the Bible. I mean, how could God say, you can't go there? But God told them, I forbid you to go there. You are not going there. But the Spirit, it goes on and says that in verse 7, and they were come to Mysia, they swayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So, see, even missionaries can only go where God is leading them to go. Because God had a different person, it was Peter, that he was going to send in that area, and God wanted Paul over in this other area, because that's where we get the Macedonian call that we see in verse number 9, where there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when they had seen the vision, they immediately went. So even missionaries are not free just to say, I'm going to go wherever I want to go. Doesn't it amaze you sometimes when you say to missionaries, how do you know you're supposed to go there? And all they can say is that just God impressed it on our hearts and we couldn't get it out of our minds. And every time we turned around, that name of that country was there. And they just know that God is calling them to reach those people. Each church has a Jerusalem, a Judea, and Samaria, and the end of the earth because every church is a hub. And we kind of talked about this before, but remember Acts 1.8 it's not sequential. It's at the same time. 
you reach your Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth at the same time. Every church must have a plan to reach their area. And that's what I love about coming to churches like this church. is because you do have a passion to reach this area. You are reaching people. People are being saved here. People are being discipled here. People are being baptized here. Lives are being changed here. You have a passion to reach this area, and a church has to have that. This is why a church missions program must be multifaceted, must not be just in one area. We need a plan to reach our town, and we need a plan to reach our state, and we need a plan to reach the whole world. That was the introduction. Every church can fulfill all of Acts 8 by focusing on three goals. From this whole history I've just given you, now I want to direct your attention to three goals that every church ought to have. Goal number one, pray that Lighthouse Baptist Church will always be a strong hub for the gospel. What this church always needs to be is a strong hub. Not just a church that's reaching this area, but be a strong hub to reach the whole world. The church is doing well to this church is doing well to fulfill all the parts of Acts 1:8. You have a missions emphasis, and that's and I believe you were telling me this is the seventh missions conference that you've had. Is that correct? So I mean, you've been doing this for years. You've been saying, yes, we need to be outside of ourselves. You're working hard to reach your own town. You're being you're part of planting uh, churches in the state of Ohio. Your church is part of Baptist Church Ministry Network, and those churches in Ohio have always been strong in planting churches in Ohio and then supporting missionaries around the world. Fulfilling Acts 1-8 is interconnected. You are reaching your area as your church grows. You can become a bigger part of reaching Xenia and the state of Ohio and the world. This church, Lighthouse Baptist Church, needs to get stronger because your area needs this church. But as you get bigger, that means you have more missions money and you can reach more of the world. Does that make sense? So it's interconnected. As you grow, if you see yourself as a hub, as you grow, you're not just having an impact here, but if you keep up your missions conferences, which I know is the plan, then you're still being challenged about the rest of the world, and you can take on more missionaries and do more projects for missionaries when they have a need. So you see how this is all interconnected. As you grow, you reach more people here, but you reach more people around the world. But to do this, Lighthouse Baptist Church needs to be a strong hub. And Antioch was a strong hub for Paul. Because when you read all about Paul, when he would go on a missionary journey, he came back to Antioch, and they were still there. They were still reaching people, and they spent a long time there working in that church again because that church was able to encourage him. They were a strong hub for him. And you can help Lighthouse Baptist Church become a strong hub with your attendance, with your giving, and with your soul winning. <clears throat> and when you're doing whatever you can to reach your area. So you see, you are not an isolated person. Because when you reach somebody, you bring the people here, which then thrive in this hub, which then helps this hub reach even more people. But it really starts with your faithfulness. It starts with your attendance. It starts with your giving. It starts with you saying, I need to reach the people around me. So when you reach people here and they come to the church and they get saved and they start giving to missions, maybe they give enough to help you support another whole missionary. 
So when you bring people here, you're interconnected to reaching all of that. Secondly, pray that Lighthouse Baptist Church will always prepare people to scatter. Prepare people to scatter. And I know this church, and that's one of your goals. One of the prayers that this church has for a mission conference is that God will call people to scatter. That God will call people to say, I'm willing to go wherever it is God calls me to do. God continually scatters people. God moves church members away from the church they attend. I hate that part of it, that part of scattering. As a pastor, I hated every time a family moved away. I prayed all the time, Lord, send me a really good Sunday school teacher. I need a good Sunday school teacher, you know. But when I lost a good Sunday school teacher, that was a different story altogether. I didn't like that part at all. But, you know, I learned something about people scattering from my church. I remember a time a younger family moved away. And, I mean, they were connected to the church. They were involved in the church. They were serving. They were doing everything you'd want a church member to do. But then he got a job promotion, which required him to move. And he said, I've got to move because I've got to have this raise. Well, after about six months, they came back for a visit. And I said, have you found a church to get into yet? And he says, well, we've narrowed it down to two to three churches. And, of course, I'm thinking, it's six months, and you've narrowed it down to two to three choices. I think there's a problem here. About a year later, they visited again. And they said they had not found a church yet. About a year later, the wife visited the church and told me they never found the right church. And so her husband just said, forget it. And as far as I know, they never got back into church again. And that really bothered me. You know, it's a dangerous thing to leave a great church without really praying for God's will. You know, it's not enough to leave a church just because you can move and get more money. This family got more money, but they lost their kids because their kids never stayed in church. And I just want to say be careful about that. But what I'm saying in this message is this. That had such a big impact on me that I changed a lot of things that I were doing. And when a family told me they were leaving, I would meet with them. Where are you going to go? Let's find a church there. Let's find a church now that you can go to. And I would call the pastor, and I'd do my best to link them up with, with uh, the church so to make sure when they moved, they went to a good, solid church. And some people I talked with, they actually decided not to move because they said, we don't find a church in that area that our kids are going to need what they need. You know what? You need for your kids to make it. They need God. They need you. They need the church. And when you move and there's no church there, what are you doing to your kids? And so I proactively started people. I... I Grasp the fact that people are going to move out of my church. People are going to scatter from my church. We're not talking about ministry now, but people are scattering because of job opportunities and things like that. And I became very proactive. In my sermons, I would preach things like, listen, when, if God leads you from this church, make sure you take what you learn from this church and go work in that other church. Get involved as, me, as soon as possible. Remember how long they're in our church. My goal was to help them grow so they would be a better person, a better member of the next church. Part of my issue of where I was, I had a military town, so we had people being transferred in and out from a military trans, uh, perspective. So I wanted them to leave our church and get right into a church and get more involved in that church. And after that, instead of hearing the stories about families who moved and never got found another church, then I started hearing stories of people who said, we got this church, we got involved, and we're teaching, and I felt a lot more uh, better about that. I'm just saying is one of the things that this church can do as a hub is to make sure they help people when they scatter. But then we talk about scattering for God's purposes. 
God calls men and women and families to start churches. And every church needs to be, the, to, to be like Lighthouse Baptist Church and prepare them. I love to be in these kind of churches that already have a, a plan in place where you're developing people for the purpose of scattering to start new churches because new churches start to, uh, need to be started. It's always hard when people leave. And we all hate it when people leave. I'm going to talk about now for ministry. But remember, scattering for the purpose of the gospel is God's plan. And sometimes they only may be here for a short time. Somebody comes as an intern and a short time. But they are worth investing in and praying in because God is scattering them. And then God calls men and their families to go to the ends of the earth. And we need to support them. And we're saying in this missions conference, if God is leading you to scatter, surrender to God's call to scatter in your life. And say, I'm willing for God to use me anywhere in the world. And we need to support them. Then third, pray that Lighthouse Baptist Church will always praise God when he scatters people from Lighthouse Baptist Church. Mission agencies will list the top two reasons why people who surrendered don't end up on the field. And the top two reasons people who surrender and don't go to the field is because of a the church or their family doesn't want them to go. The church or the family doesn't want them to go. We love missionaries, but we don't want our grandkids on the mission field. <laughs> you know, we were glad when the kids left home. But then they had grandkids, and now we want grandkids, right? And a lot of times a family is a hindrance to that. And I just want to challenge you that if anybody in your family wants to go to say, I'm glad God's scattering them, I will miss them. And I wish they were here for the holidays and all that kind of stuff. But I am willing to let any family member go that God calls, any family member. When I was 16, I went to youth camp. And at youth camp, I surrendered my life to the Lord. And when I came home and told my mom, that I had surrendered my life to the Lord, she immediately started crying. And I didn't know for a long time why she started crying. But the reason she started crying was every pastor she had 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 been a drunkard before they became a pastor. And when I said I had surrendered my life to the Lord, she says, well, he's got to become an alcoholic. She wasn't upset about being a pastor. She just didn't want me to go through becoming an alcoholic to become a pastor because that's all she knew was a former alcoholic was her pastor. But sometimes we can make it hard on our own family members. We're going to miss you. We're going to miss you on holidays. But remember that God is a scattering God. And it's an honor when God calls somebody from our family. And churches love missionaries, but it just said. Seems like God calls the couple that are just doing the best thing in your whole church. They're the best teacher. They're the best whatever in their church. But we have to learn that God is going to scatter people. Remember, God took 40% of the leadership of the church in Antioch in one afternoon. Five people praying, five leaders of the church praying, and two, God says, separate them. He took 40%. Why? Because God is a scattering God. Antioch is our pattern for supporting those who go. And praising God that God is calling from people from our church. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 3. Now remember, this is the church perspective. Acts 13, 1 and 2. They were having the prayer meeting. God called out Paul and Barnabas. What was their reaction? 
And it says, and when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. No arguing with God, no negotiating with God, just obedience. The Holy Spirit spoke, they prayed, they laid hands on them, and they sent them out. And these two guys changed the world. What a great church they were in. They released them to scatter. In heaven, you'll be glad that you were part of God's scattering plan. So start rejoicing when God scatters. When God calls people from this church to start churches, when God calls people from this church to be missionaries, praise God that God is using this church to impact the world. Which would you rather be part of, forced scattering or intentional scattering? Tower of Babel, forced scattering. Persecution in Jerusalem, forced scattering. And we just need to be the kind of people it says, when God scatters, I'm going to rejoice. You pray, you give, and then tonight you go if God calls you. If God doesn't call you to go, then you say, Lighthouse Baptist Church is a hub. And every time I attend, every time I give, every time I try to reach my neighbor, I am strengthening a hub that God is using to have an impact on the world. So you see, we're all involved in scattering because by helping to build this church, we're helping this church support the people that scatter from this church. We're all a part of God's plan to reach the world. Again, I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes at this time so that you can think through what we talked about tonight. One big question I have for you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed is, is God calling you to scatter? Do you feel God's tug in your heart that he wants to use you to reach the world. And I want to encourage you tonight that if God, you feel that tug in your heart today, that you just say, I'm ready to surrender. God, I have that tug in my heart. I don't know where, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I just feel that tug in my heart. And I want to encourage you tonight to come and to say, I surrender. I'll go where God tells me to go and do what God tells me. But if God's not dealing with you, you need to make a decision tonight. You're part of a hub that is reaching the world with the gospel. Your attendance is important to God's plan to reach the world. Your giving is important to God reaching the world. You, when you witness here, you're strengthening this hub. You're increasing the giving of this church so that more people can go. And would you make that deeper commitment in your heart? I'm going to be part of God's scattering. I'm going to be part of a hub that's reaching the world. I'm going to be more faithful. I'm going to give more if I can. I'm going to spend more of my time reaching my friends and my neighbors and my workers with the gospel. Father in heaven, we can see from the word of God that you are a scattering God. And Father, we're so glad that somebody scattered to bring the gospel to me. And now it's time for us to scatter. Sometimes that scatter just means that we scatter by leaving our house and going to our neighbor and reaching them. Help us all to be people that scatter. But I pray right now if there's somebody here that you're tugging on their heart now that they'll come in this invitation and say, God is calling me. And that people will come tonight and just say, I'm going to be part of a hub that's reaching the world. In Jesus' name, amen.